Church in the 21st Century Center presents God Pods, hosted by C21 Director and Professor of Theology, Thomas Groom. Hello and warm greetings from Boston College. For this God Pod, I'm honored to be in conversation with Governor Martin O'Malley. Governor O'Malley has served for eight years as Governor of Maryland from 2007 to 2015. Before then, he was Mayor of Baltimore from 1999 to 2006, and then on the City Council from 1991 to 1999, where he launched his political career. On May 30th of 2015, he declared his candidacy for President of the United States and then suspended that campaign after coming third in the Iowa caucuses the following February. He has his bachelor's degree from the Catholic University of America and his Juris Doctoris, his JD, from the University of Maryland Law School. Currently, Governor O'Malley, we're proud to say, is a visiting professor at our Boston College Law School. He and his wife, Katie, have four children, Tara, Jack, William, and Grace. Welcome, Governor O'Malley. We're honored to have you with us. Thank you, Professor Groom. Good being with you. Thank you. Governor, give us a brief sense of your own faith journey. I mean, where did it begin? How has it unfolded? Give us a sense of that story. Yeah, boy, and, and 140 characters or less. <laughs> the, no tweeting. Yeah, my own faith journey, I suppose, began uh, by the good fortune of being born to two of the most loving people and caring people you'll ever want to meet in your life. My parents, Tom and Barbara O'Malley, both of whom were raised in Catholic families. My mom, German Catholic. My dad, poor guy, 100% Irish. Uh, so, <laughs> he was a social climber, obviously. <laughs> he married up. Every, he married mother, up. <laughs> every mother's advice to her sons in three words, always marry up. So uh, my parents um, raised us in, in the Catholic faith, and and their faith was always something very important to them and to their families and was always intertwined with with being active in the political life of, sure. of their home place. Uh, from my mom, that was Fort Wayne, Indiana. From my dad, that was Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But I grew up, so I went to eight years of Catholic grade school. I went to Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C. And, and then I went to Catholic University. And I suppose one of the things that I have come to understand with the hindsight of, of history and the harvest of memory is that uh, my, my touchstones for public service are are the very social, you know, the, the pillars of Catholic social justice, namely the dignity of every person, the sure. common good we share, the the truth that we're all in this together, that we need each other and we have to help each other if we're going to succeed as a people, as a as a planet. And that's and those are the things that I have returned to again and again. Those are those are my convictions, my faith, my beliefs. And in the uh, in the tough arena of competition and compromise, oftentimes the predatory arena of public oh, service and sure. politics, uh, the things that get you through the tough times are are not your ambitions but your convictions. Sure. But, I mean, that's the classic Catholic position, not to st stand above the world or away from the world or apart from the world, but rather in the midst of the world. I mean, that's classic Aquinas. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, he always favored, loved the parable of, uh, of Jesus, that the wheat and the, and the weeds grow together. But so you can't just stand apart looking for the wheat. You have to be in the midst of the weeds as well. So that's classic. Lovely way you have of stating how that faith of yours is integral 
uh, to your politics, and, and uh, their Catholic social teaching is such a significant part of that. Yeah, I've enjoyed being here at Boston College. I'm up at the law school and teaching a course on performance management and leadership in the information age. But part of the lesson of that course is you have to be with and among. Sure. If you're going to be an effective leader, you have to, you know, Pope Francis does this so well. He's not a tourist. He's a pilgrim. He's walking with and among. And that's also true of the men and women I've seen leading their own cities. They are not leaders who separate themselves behind a phalanx of armed guards in the big black sedan. Uh, they have that security, but what I'm talking about is they have a courage to make themselves vulnerable by going into the toughest of neighborhoods, by holding themselves accountable in that gap between what we've achieved and where we're falling still so short of, of what all of us would hope would be a, a city where our children can grow. And give me a, an example. You mentioned one before uh, we started the conversation, your work with poor children, with infant mortality rate. Just give us a, a concrete example of how you indeed have taken those Catholic social teachings and indeed put them to work in the political arena. Yeah, well, the, uh, sometimes people have asked, you know, um, you know, how do you integrate? Uh, I was at a theology class here, and I was asked, how do you integrate your faith life and your political beliefs? Yes. And I said, how do you separate them? Ah, great I answer. mean, you don't, I've never, I've never felt a separation. Sure. I've always felt that they were intertwined, and at the same time, some issues of, of law and policy do not avail themselves of the, of, of the simple, Indeed. you know, tweetable answers. I mean, a lot of these things seem a lot more, a lot clearer in hindsight Indeed. than they do at the time. Because part of your job as an elected leader is to lead public opinion, and it's important that people not lose sight of you. Um, we had a, when I was first elected governor, before I could be sworn in, the court of appeals struck down on purely procedural grounds the death penalty in Maryland, and we faced a choice. Although I hadn't campaigned on it. Uh, and it certainly was not a popular position. We could either, you know, go about dotting the I's and crossing the T's as to how to to take a a, a prisoner's life after strapping them down on a on a gurney, or we could risk action in the faith that a larger conversation was necessary and could only be brought about with leadership. And so that's what we did. And it took us many years, but eventually. We, uh, on the second or third go-around, the votes came together to make us the first state south of the Mason-Dixon line to repeal the death penalty. And along the way, we also drove violent crime down to 35-year lows. I don't see the two as contradictory. Not at all. I see them as part and parcel of the same belief system. And, and of course, the, the, the fire in the tummy that you have for those kind of values arises from and is sustained by your Catholic faith. I mean, it's not simply an ideology or a philosophy or an ethic. It's a, it's a faith-based commitment, which, of course, then becomes great public values. It doesn't mean that they're sectarian or narrow in their view. They become great public values for the, com for the common good. Yeah. I mean, nobody talked more about the common good and working for the common good than, than our own Aquinas. Let me ask you just one other, well, maybe a couple more questions, Governor. What sustains you? Are there authors? Are there practices? Are there people? Uh, I've, I've, uh, heard you great quote, I've heard you quote Merton a bit, but tell I love us Thomas wh Merton. what is your own resource for, for uh, that sustains you in these commitments? Look, I had to I had to develop a much more uh, disciplined practice, shall we say, of staying centered and grounded 
and beginning every morning in gratitude and solitude and and reading good things that were not the the flood of mm-hmm. information and data overload sure. <laughs> that any mayor or governor with their salt governor, has yes, to swim in for, for most of their day. So that came about only after I had kind of um, reached a point of of, of depletion and sure. exhaustion. And um, so I started in order to nourish, in order to, you know, to nourish the soul, I suppose, I started reading a lot of Thomas Merton, uh, very much like uh, Richard Rohr, uh, Father Rohr, um, uh, Carl Rahner. Sure. I, I, I really enjoy his stuff. Wow. Um, St. John a- of the Cross. Tom of uh, uh, John O'Donohue, the Irish Indeed. author and a dear friend. Uh, I, I really I regret not having met him in life. I have visited yes. his grave. I went to find it with my cousin there in Clare. So great. anyway, those are some of the people Marvelous. I read. Well, um, uh, Teresa of Avila. They're great um, resources. Oh, you've got the classics and you've got the contemporary, and both we need both. And also, who was the guy? Um, Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen. I really yes, like him indeed. a lot. Yeah, he taught for us here many summers. You're on your website now, you have the slogan, Stand Against Hate. Just say a word about that. Why did you choose that slogan? I, ever since, uh, ever since Donald Trump's uh, rise back in whenever it started, when the Democrats were not allowed to debate and the Republicans were debating on primetime, every other week. I was haunted by that wisdom of Martin Neymoller. You know, first they came for the trade unionists yes, and I did yes. not speak up, then the gypsies and the, the communists, the, and, the communists speak, yeah, and then, then the Jews, and then they came for me and there was no one left to stand up for me. Uh, so I have been haunted by that, by, and by, the, uh, by the call to, to stand not only against hate, but to stand for love and compassion and the things that unite us as a generous people. And and part of that involves calling out the overtly sure. fascist appeals. Sure. We are an ex- I was recently in Germany, and uh, a, a member of the German defense ministry came up to me after a panel that I was on with a Canadian uh, political leader. And he said, let me ask you something. He pulled me aside and he said, how is it that 63 million people could have voted for a candidacy like Donald Trump's. Yes. And it's it's a deeply troubling question. It sure. is the same question Sobering that we were taught in school to ask sure. about Germany in the 1930s. Yes. How could so many? And, and then the way forward is to call people to a larger place, to call good. out the goodness within. What I know is that there is a goodness in the hearts of the young people of the United States. And I think our mission is to call forward that goodness, yes. to 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 empower them, encourage them to be the the yeast, if you will. It can be. It's marvelous. It's a wonderful vision that you have. Just in closing, your your reference to our present political context, which is so painful and so conflicted and difficult for so many people, regardless of how they voted in the last ele- in the last presidential election. But going forward, what gives you hope? Well, again, what gives me the greatest hope is, is the attitudes of our young people. You won't find many in their numbers who want to bash new American immigrants or, or, or label all of our Muslim brothers and sisters with, 
you know, terrorists as, as terrorists or immigrants as criminals. You won't find many among their number who deny climate change or want to deny rights to gay couples or their kids either. So that's what gives me the greatest Wonderful. hope. This is a rough patch we're going through as a nation. We're exceptional, but we're not superhuman or infallible. And this is a real challenge for our country. But within this challenge, as John O'Donohue was fond of saying, uh, darkness makes a great canvas. Yeah. And we have an opportunity to be that, that light to the world that the Statue of Liberty proclaims, to be that, that nation that has the wisdom and, and the capacity for forgiveness to correct our mistakes Wonderful. and to learn from history. Governor, it's been inspiring to sit here and chat hey, with you a you, while. Thank you, Professor. And uh, really, awesome uh, to be with one, you. What a wonderful God pod to send out to our hmm. Boston College friends, and indeed to the Four Winds. So blessings upon you and your journey that's ahead, and on your family as well. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Professor Grew.